So I sent you an image, Tom. I want you to tell me, like, knee-jerk reaction, what does it look like to you? It looks like a couch made of hot dogs, but they're not <laughs> hot dogs. They, they're, like, flattened. <laughs> the, like, the, the, the rounded edges, the corners of them look like hot dogs, but when... When you get down to like the bigger layers, like the that are flat out, it looks kind of more like toast or like <laughs> some sort of bread. But so I th- looked at this, yes. and my immediate thought was, "Huh? So that's just a bunch of melted Nestle Crunch bars that got stuck in the machine at the factory that wraps them and melted." Okay, so what is the actual answer? Because the you- actual thing, it, it is an actual sofa, and I'm sending you the images of what the sofa looks like in full. <laughs> this is not a sofa. Whoever designed the sofa is not worthy of holding a designer pencil anymore. They have to go back. This is literally L-shaped meat for sofa. Um. Okay, so I guess... I was at least right about it being. A, you were a couch. right about it being a, so. It's it's hard to mistake those leather lines, but still, this is <laughs> this is something you would build in Close Encounters of the Third Kind if you were out of mashed potatoes. <laughs> this means something. This is important. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Yes, it is. This is part of the Grand Canyon where I gotta go. <laughs> so why am I here? Besides it being the second night of Hanukkah. (laughs) Which, by the way, happy Hanukkah. Here, have a menorah with too few candles, and now have a menorah with way too many candles. What is happening? People are very confused about I how many even nights. I started the first episode of my podcast and we've already gone way off the rails. You're welcome. This is what happens when you have me on a show. Okay. Right, Hanukkah. So- Happy well- 27th night of Hanukkah podcast. Welcome to Wikisift, a shallow dive into pop culture and fandom. Steve, are you I'm not cutting this out. This is going in. <laughs> I fully expected it to. Okay, so why am I here? Okay, welcome to Wikisift, a shallow dive into pop culture and fandom. Today we're going to be talking about movies with an alarming number of sequels. <laughs> that sofa has an alarming number of meat. <laughs> okay, I, I'm Tom. He's uh, an evil genius, White, and today I am joined by Steve O. I am host of Friday Night Fan Fiction, the podcast where we read terribly, mostly erotic fan fiction, sometimes not, and make fun of it and have fun with everyone. So I'm a I am a uh, relatively common collaborator with Tom, and when he told me the idea behind this show, I was all for it, and. Uh, then he roped me into spending an hour and 14 minutes trying to technically troubleshoot OBS on a Windows 7 install. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you're you not can, cutting this. Okay, you can, you can 
Don't give me crap about Windows 7, though. <laughs> it's, right. it's fine. So, all right. So you said movies with a yeah, alarming okay. number of sequels. Yes. What, what this whole show is about is taking a peek at obscure and ridiculous trivia from fandoms that we do not participate in. Because I could read 86 years of comic books, but I'd rather just go to the DC fan wiki and read how many types of kryptonite there are. Yeah. 32. There are 32 <laughs> types of kryptonite. Also, for those of us that don't have an infinite wallet, like being able to quickly sift through information. Yeah, it's also for the first time ever earlier today, Wikipedia was not available for me, and I felt like half the world ceased to exist. So that just shows how important and how indispensable these sites are. But obviously, they don't always capture the full range of information. <laughs> So, yeah, today specifically we're talking about movies that have an unbelievable number of sequels. I know um, the so Land Before Time has at least 13. I was going to start with Land Before Time. There are 14. <laughs> they have, yeah, 14 is like, uh, was it Fun with Friends or something? I know one of them, I think it might have been 13. It's whatever the one that Cuba Gooding Jr. is in. Five minutes in, Littlefoot has a fever dream that his grandma dies. And I was like, why don't they just end the movie here? <laughs> okay, so the series overall, I would say, is probably about what you would expect. There's not too much weird until Land Before Time 7. Well, that's great. Well, what what is the Land Before Time for those who do not know? <laughs> okay, so, of course, Land Before Time was a movie that came in the 80s uh, by Don Bluth, a uh, very beautifully animated uh, movie about dinosaurs, and uh, they're trying to find uh, this, like, peaceful oasis away from the meat eaters. And uh, Yeah, they're trying to find a new home. Yeah, and... Uh, it's basically Homeward Bound, but in reverse. <laughs> I guess so. Um, so the series is pretty much what you would expect um, after you've seen the first one. Um, you know, all family friendly, kind of harmless situations. Uh, none of them are quite as edgy as the first one, I don't think. Okay, before you describe Seven, and that's where I'll remind you that's where we are. I know that the first one came out in theaters. Was that the only one that had a theatrical I release? I believe it's the only one. I think the rest were direct-to-video. Oh, okay, so that would now make sense when you say the rest of them are what you would expect. So instead of a big theatrical release, it's all direct-to-DVD quality. Yes. Okay, um, all right, cool. Now, right. the description for Seven. So, okay. So uh, let me just uh, give you some excerpts of the plot as written on wikipedia late one night littlefoot sees a strange blue colored meteor falling from the sky and crashing into threehorn peak an active volcano in the smoking mountain range uh two newcomers the mysterious rainbow faces which are uh gallimimus dinosaurs so they are like real dinosaurs um okay the rainbow faces tell them of possibilities of wonders beyond what they know and suggest the rock may be a stone of cold fire so uh, let me skip. So ahead. aliens. Yeah. So let me skip ahead to the end. Littlefoot finds the rainbow fa faces and asks them if the meteorite really was a stone of cold fire. They admit that while it wasn't, his, e his effort to search for it was what really mattered and reiterate that there are many unknowns to be discovered beyond the mysterious beyond. Littlefoot is then momentarily distracted, and when he turns around, he finds the rainbow faces have disappeared in a pillar of light, implied to be a tractor beam, indicating that the rainbow faces are aliens. 
Uh, all right, so this this is an episode of the X Files for children. So, <laughs> when, I guess when a series is uh, fourteen movies long, eventually they they uh, jump the shark. Well, when you first brought up the description, I'm like, all right, so that that this is the start of Final Fantasy VII. Genova comes from the sky and lands in the northern crater. And then the dinosaurs are there, and the dinosaurs tick Genova off, and, you know, a couple millennia later, Cloud and Zack and Sephiroth all exist. <laughs> yes. But so no, like, the, the <clears throat> twist with the them being aliens with the tractor beam, I would not expect that in a dinosaur movie for children. Although you kind of call it as soon as I started to describe it, you're like, yeah, they're aliens. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've, I think we're jaded by all the weird that we've seen in our lifetime. Maybe you and I do tend to seek the weird out. All right, so um, <laughs> let's let's go to our next series that we're gonna talk about, and that is the Barbie film series. Uh, you Barbie, take, uh, uh, do you want to take a guess Barbie has how films. many Barbie movies there are? Uh, could I get an over under? Like, is it more or less than Land Before Time? It is more than Land Before Time. Oh, that could be a lot of things. Is it triple digits? It is not triple digits. All right, so it's anywhere between 15 and, and 99. That's all I needed to narrow it down. I'm going to say 26. It is more than 26. I'm going to say 32? More than 32, but you're getting closer. There are 37. There are 39 Barbie movies. God! <laughs> Are these all full length or are they just video releases? I believe they're all full length. Some of them are uh, traditional animation. Some of them are uh, computer animated. There's a lot of them. Uh, let, okay, let me... so none of these are like three minute flash videos <laughs> to show off something about Barbie. No, I, I, I believe... know there's a ton of Barbie games and other memorabilia, oh. or not memorabilia, other <laughs> multimedia. Yes, well, of course, Barbie's just memorabilia. I had no idea. Yeah, um, thirty nine. I, I believe these are all feature length movies. Uh, okay, so let wow. me read you out some of these titles: uh, Barbie and the Nutcracker, Barbie as Rapunzel, <laughs> Barbie Fairytopia, Barbie and the Magic of Pegasus, Barbie Mermaidia, The Barbie Diaries, uh, Barbie a Princess Charm School, Barbie Spy Squad, Barbie Starlight Adventure. Barbie Video Game Hero. Wait, that's not a game? That's no, a movie? It is a movie. Okay, let me start here with Barbie Sk Spy Squad. Okay, let me... Okay. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is something. Barbie Spy... Oh... I'm already having issues with the fonts they used in the title. And what are those the friggin' Robo Cat and Dogs that they had for sale during Christmas, like 2007? Uh, they could be. Oh, the, like the iPup? <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> what are these Tamagotchi rejects doing here? So. And how do they help Barbie as a spy? <laughs> so, okay, l let me read part of the uh, synopsis here. This is on the Barbie movie wiki, which is a thing. <clears throat> Barbie and her best friends, Ugh. Teresa and Renee, transform from hardworking gymnasts to undercover secret agents in this exciting action-packed adventure. 
When their amazing gymnastic skills catch the eye of a top-secret spy agency, the girls are soon following clues to a gem-stealing cat burglar who has escaped everyone on the case. With their high-tech gadgets, glam disguises, and cute robo-pets, can they prove that smarts and teamwork can get the mission accomplished? It's girl power to the rescue. Hardworking gymnast to undercover secret. Oh, so this is... I didn't realize that Barbie was Columbo. So here, although now I want to see Columbo wearing Barbie's outfit, that would be sexy as hell. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I, I have notes. Um, uh, <laughs> I don't think I, I, I don't know why spy agencies would be looking for gymnasts. Uh, I guess because they want someone to do like backflips through laser wires or something. But okay, I guess that I makes think sense. logically in that universe, it is we must find somebody that we can train specifically to be a spy. Exercise drains the brain. Go get me some gymnasts. Uh, but I just I don't feel like the CIA or other such spy agencies are interested in cat burglars. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's more than just cats on the cover, so do they uh, do they make a joke about the other pets? I am okay, I'm assuming you haven't seen this. <laughs> no, the, okay. the whole point is that I haven't seen this. These are all things that I have not watched and just read about them on Wikipedia. That is the entire purpose. Okay. All right. This is disheartening. <laughs> What's the most recent one made by Barbie? Like the most recent Barbie movie? Uh, Big City, Big Dreams. Uh, it's a pretty and how recently? Title, so uh, let's. Uh, apparently, they've announced one that's going to uh, have a theatrical release in 2023. So they're still making them. Uh, it says release date was September 1st, 2021. So it just came out. It came out like two months ago. Oh my gosh. And who's in this? <laughs> These are all people half my age. It makes me sad. <laughs> are you wondering why you're that, doing that's with a your name life that for you're an actor Barbie movies? That is a name for an actress. Her name is America Young. Yeah, that's that that sounds like an immigrant name, doesn't it? Like, um, like someone from Singapore who wants an American name. Uh, I am. American or it sounds like young. somebody from Wisconsin who moves to California and wants to be cast as a southerner and claims <laughs> are from California. Yeah, I think that's that's pretty accurate. Like legally changing your name from uh, like Margaret Winterborn to America Young. <laughs> okay, so uh, next. One I want to talk about is Barbie Starlight Adventure. Oh, dude, it's Barbie and Neon Knight Riders from TMNT Turtles in Time. That's awesome. I love that cover. <laughs> the official description says, join Barbie on an out-of-this-world adventure. Barbie is a cosmic princess who flies high on her hoverboard through a far-off universe with her adorable and devoted pet sidekick, Popcorn. One day, everything changes when the twinkling stars start to dim and slow their dance in the sky. Barbie travels to a beautiful new planet to join a special rescue team on a mission to save the stars. Once there, she teams up with a group of talented new friends who work together to save the galaxy through exciting hoverboarding adventures. 
Barbie soon discovers that if she listens to her heart and with the help of her friends, she might be the leader the whole universe has been waiting for. Or not? Like, I, I'm already decently suspect of that assumption of... Why, why oh does my... this sound like Katamari Damashi? <laughs> it's so... This is just... Who writes these? Who gets <laughs> money? Know. Find me! I can write for better! Please! We can all write give, better. Yeah, give me a chance, Barbie. I could make <laughs> you a star. Also, that sounded way worse after saying it out loud. It's like I'm calling Barbie to the casting couch. Jesus Christ. So, um, <laughs> so there on the Barbie movie wiki, there is a summary of the story, which... Uh, obviously was written by a fan. It's not really, um, like, grammatically perfect. Um, <laughs> so so uh, my purpose here is not to make fun of some person who wrote this. I'm just, uh, we're going to take um, what we can for with a grain of salt here. Um, it says, on the central planet, Sheena and Karina use their powers to take everyone closer to the planet's center. They find the heart of the galaxy, and after the Statotron fails, Barbie dances and uses. Wait, her wait powers. the Stanotron, as in like incel stands. Stat- Statotron. Statotron. Okay, good. We're not. We're not. We're not going into Reddit's anymore. Okay, yeah. all right. After the Statotron fails, Barbie dances and uses her powers to reset the stars, and then the magnetic storms clear. Great. Now so, I'm missing a whole so, lot of context such thrills. Here, but. I think the summary is also missing that context, so I just want to show you how confusing that sounds. Yeah, a bit. And, like, this is... Considering the target demographic, I'm not seeing a lot of overlay in the Venn diagram between Barbie enthusiasts and people over the age of 12 with, uh, you know, writing skills and full comprehension at a collegiate level. So... I'm not surprised the wiki is confusing. Let me try to to like unpack this a little bit. Um, okay, Sheena and Karina use their powers to take everyone down closer to the planet center. There they find the heart of the galaxy inside a planet center. Um, and after the Statotron fails, whatever that means, Barbie dances and uses her powers to reset the stars. And then the magnetic storm's clear. Okay, so uh, again, my brain is jumping to video games. This is just the first mission in Final Fantasy X-2 where they dance and everything gets better. Or like (laughs) any Hanna-Barbera cartoon from the 60s to 75. But regardless, that... uh... Yeah. What's the budget? (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm curious... (laughs) Not that I want to diss on Barbie, because I'm sure that for the people who enjoy it, this is adequate entertainment. But as an outsider, I really am curious about the level of entertainment. (laughs) And how much money it costs to make. I am sure that they spent a lot of money on it, and I'm sure that they made a lot of money. Did they sell soundtracks for this? (laughs) Oh, Uh, no. Barbie Video Game Hero is the next one. Thanks. Yes, (laughs) Barbie Video Game Hero. Okay, official description. Get ready to power up. When Barbie magically gets pulled into her favorite video game, she's excited to see she's transformed into a fun roller skating character. 
In the uh, game, she meets Cutie, <laughs> the lovable cloud-shaped friend, and Bella, the roller skating princess. Together, they soon discover a mischievous emoji is trying to take control of the game. As they travel from level to level, Barbie must rely on her amazing gaming skills and out-of-the-box thinking to save her team and beat the game. All right, so plundered stuff from Wreck-It Ralph. Uh, also, Captain great Ed. self-insert to, you know, you, you could list off all of these famous video game characters. Mario, Samus, Sonic, Wonder Boy, uh, fun roller skating character. That's, um, that's a plot? That's a thing? Also, is that the Nimbus Cloud from Dragon Ball Z? (laughs) Let me take a look here. And it's also the, oh yeah, also the emoji? There are emoji in video games you have to fight? I I love how whoever wrote this has clearly never played a video game. (laughs) Or a mobile game only. Something made with, like, ASCII art using your your phone's keyboard. So, uh, I I don't know. I don't get it. But it does, I am noticing that at least the voice of Barbie in this one is the same as the prior one. So it's more than just one and done if you do Barbie. It's not a death knell (laughs) to your uh, career. Now, me personally, if I was uh, magically pulled into a video game, I wouldn't be excited. (laughs) I would be scared and upset and very, very nervous. Excited to see she's transformed into a roller, uh, a fun roller skating character. Okay, well, then what would your favorite real life? (laughs) What is your favorite video game then saying that, like, you know, you wouldn't be excited first thing? (laughs) If it was me, I would be terrified to see that I'm transformed into a kabuki dancer who fights robots with his hair. But enough about kabuki quantum fighter. (laughs) Oh, okay. So you're not playing Samurai Showdown spelled incorrectly. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no that, i don't know what i correct. would be oh i would probably it would either be like final fantasy tactics so yes absolutely terrifying uh max Payne, also absolutely terrifying and katamari okay yeah all three absolutely terrifying all the best games would be terrifying to actually live in that world i don't know if, if i had to choose between living in phasmophobia and katamari damacy i'd choose phasmophobia better chance of survival <laughs> chances are if you're brought into katamari damacy you've got like a one in 14 shot of being one of the celestial beings that does the stuff and a one in nine hundred thousand shot of being something that gets rolled up yeah <laughs> and then turned into a burning ball of gas i i think the the important thing to remember is that video game worlds are horrifying as a so, great segue to the next link you sent me. So there are 39 Barbie movies. Guess how many Bratz movies there are. I know there are at least 15 games. At least the last time I worked at GameStop, there were. So I'm going to hazard a guess and say it's a little less than Barbie. But yeah, um, you, you actually nailed it. It's 15. Oh, 15. All yes, right. There are 15 Bratz movies. Uh-huh. Damn, they got to keep cranking them out. Otherwise, Land Before Time is going to catch up and take over. Uh, when did they start? Like, what was the first one? Um, 2004 was the first Bratz movie, starring and Stylin'. 
and the latest one was it also this year? The 2000? latest one is 2013. Okay, so it's not like it's not one a year. It's like yeah, once like, every two years, like maybe Bratz, less. I didn't. I thought kind of was a passing fad, so I was a little surprised to see that they made them as late as 2013. No, brats are still, as far as I know, they're still very popular. I I don't have a child old enough to get those things, and I currently have a son who is not terribly interested in stuff that is designed like dolls and whatnot. But um, I know that other kids in the daycare have brats specific branding of stuff. Oh, well, there we go. But, uh, our, oh, that... Oh, <laughs> all right. Those are the evil emoji faces from the from the Barbie movie. So, Take- OK, so I think the Brett's uh, descriptions are even better than the Barbie uh, descriptions. OK, this is the very first movie. Brett's starring in the styling. Uh, here's what it says on uh, Wikipedia. Chloe, Yasmin, Sasha and Jade get ready for prom night. Their art teacher, Mr. Del Rio, assigned them a project to express themselves. Asked by the girls to give them extra time for the project, the professor denied the girls' petition, thus pre- presenting them with a dilemma. Get prepared for prom night or make a project that will count for 25% of their yearly grade. Prom can happen another time. There is no dilemma here. Just don't I'm go just... to prom. Go, okay, go to prom here's... with... <laughs> He he gave them a project that's worth 25% of their yearly grade, and the only directive is express yourselves. And he must have known that prom is, like, a big thing, because it's part of the school. It's I mean, again, you're also missing context here. When was the thing assigned? Was it assigned far enough ahead of prom, or was it, it assigned... It doesn't say. Uh, so it, it really doesn't say. Well, usually prom has at least, you know, given a two to three week window, but more likely than not, it'd be like half the friggin year that people will know, including staff. So this just doesn't make an academic sense. But the deci- the fact that it's even a discussions like between 25 percent of your grade and going to prom I don't see a problem with you having to sit down a dance or two and working on a diorama to fucking express <laughs> yourself. <laughs> Explain, so, bring a camera. This is a documentary of what you're passionate about. This is you expressing yourself. Boom. You knock prom out and you get a good grade. Uh, well, we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, I think. Okay, so a day at the beach stresses out Sasha, who has volunteered to be the school's prom committee and chairperson. So, <laughs> so you have uh, a project that's worth 25% of the, your yearly grade, and you have prom, and you're the chairperson of the prom, and you're spending the and day at the beach. And you go to the beach! <laughs> so, <laughs> um, okay, this is worded a little bit in a confusing way, but let me try to um, get through this. Okay. On prom night, the hired cook's not arriving on time due to a traffic jam, the photographer quitting to become a painter, and the DJ being homesick with a fever, the girls come up with a plan for a do-it-yourself prom. They make... uh, They making... uh, Hold on. 
I, I don't know what's okay. They make a disco ball work, uh, set up balloons using their video camera to take digital pictures, preparing their own food, playing their own music, and turning an empty room into a dance hall. So they solved the problem of having too much to do in too little time by doing everything themselves. With even less time. Also, the way the audio came through, I had to think for a second. You said dance hall. I heard you say dance hole, as in they just dug a hole and danced it. Also, make a disco ball work. They put the disco ball on an old record player. Ooh. Welcome they, to the prom. Jump in the dance hole. Get in, get in the dance hole. Uh-oh, 27th person to break their legs tonight. <laughs> this hole is a little deep, but more people jump in there and then we'll be able to dance normally. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is awful. <laughs> so do they? Do, okay, they're either in a very low lying town where the swamps are, or they live in a place where you have to boil water to get all of the contaminants out of it. So I'm not sure which, is... but they're both isolated. <laughs> So I think this is how they uh, solve their dilemma. Their their um, project about expressing themselves is uh, them doing a do-it-yourself prom and filming the whole thing and uh, all the work they did. Oh, I called it! Yes! Oh, my... You know, maybe I am moonlighting and I just don't remember it as a children's, specifically girls product placement theatrical film adaptation writer. Okay, if so, I were, I'd probably be making a little bit more money. <laughs> okay, so are you ready for the uh, next Bratz movie I want to talk about? Okay. Bratz oh. Genie Magic. Oh, that font! That font hurts so much. That's worse than uh, Papyrus. Oh. Sorry, I have I have weird objections to things, but you listening, look up the poster for Bratz Genie Magic and tell me that font doesn't hurt. I haven't even looked at the faces yet, and those are also apparently hurting me. Yeah, the plot, uh, the girls with a passion for fashion, number four, of course, Chloe, Jane, Sasha, and Yasmin think it's their lucky day when they make friends with a teenage genie named Katya. She has uh. magical powers. <laughs> She has magical powers, and best of all, she can grant wishes. But things get wild and crazy when a secret is revealed about the genie girl that thrusts the brats into a world of intrigue and adventure. Okay, I've got a lot of bullet points about this uh, thing, because it goes in a lot of interesting directions here. So, um, according to the synopsis on um, this page here, um, this is the Bratz fandom wiki. Uh, the synopsis says... The movie opens with Katya, a teenage genie, escaping from her home aboard a government vessel using her magic carpet. <laughs> Katya tells the Bratz girls she is a new student who has been homeschooled for most of her life. ESA agents break into the school and attempt to capture Katya. Um, <laughs> she, she reveals that her father works in classified projects in a government organization called the Earth Safety Association. That's what ESA stands for. And okay. the U.S. agents were searching for her so she wouldn't reveal classified information. Uh, I'm going Katya, a little cross-eyed right now. Just <laughs> it, it gets stranger. 
Cuddy is enjoying dancing with her new friends and learning modern slang when she hears a noise and hides in fear, believing it to be ESA agents coming to capture her. However, it turns out to simply be Bryce and Dylan who have come to crash the sleepover. <laughs> what? Because that's what, that's what middle school boys want to do. They want to crash girls' sleepovers. <laughs> yeah, it's like a juvenile or a prepubescent version of, like, was it, uh... Corkies or some uh, yeah it <laughs> just my go on I, I I'm just <laughs> okay, gonna save okay. my comments <laughs> okay Chloe who is scared out of her mind yells at the boy and wishes they would croak a moment later both Dylan and Bryce turn into frogs oh all, all right so it's it's inverse monkey paw logic where they don't take the low road <laughs> Katya then reveals that she is a genie, and if someone makes a wish around her, she must grant it. So, <laughs> this woman is an atom bomb let loose. <laughs> so, Katya informs them she can only grant one wish per person until she is 21 years old. <laughs> at, at that time, she's off to Vegas to star in porn. It's a very strange requirement to her. Like, once she is 21... Um, does that mean after that she can grant as many wishes as she can or that she can't grant wishes or, or the um, moment she takes her first sip of alcohol, she no longer has that power. I don't know. I don't know if it means, um, when she's 21 or the person she's granting the wish, it it doesn't say, um, (laughs) the girls arrive at Chloe's home to find it trash and a figure lurking in the dark. The girls attack the dark figure, who turns out to be Byron Powell, a reality TV producer and an undercover agent who knows about Katya's situation. He shows Kanye uh, I know you're saying friends. Katya, but I keep hearing you say Kanye. <laughs> he shows Katya and her friends a classified file he has on Zell and Khan, who aren't really part of the Environmental Safety Association. What are these names? Are these Star Wars characters? Basically. Khan is actually uh, the founder of the ESA, the Evil Scientists Association, an organization that uses science for evil purposes. (laughs) (laughs) Assuredly, they must be evil. They say evil in their name. So if, if you haven't been paying as close attention, ESA stands for three things so far. And also the Entertainment Software Association, so, you know, they also have to give video games maturity ratings. (laughs) First they said it's the Earth Safety Association, then it's the Environmental Safety Association, then it's the Evil Scientists Association. There are so many other letters in the alphabet! So in the in the end, the Bratz girl's wishes come true. Byron donates money towards Yasmin's pet shelter. Chloe gets a an A in her geography test. Sasha gets the DJ internship, and Jade dumps Matt after finding out he waxes his legs, something she didn't find attractive. Excuse me, you do not poo-poo the waxing. This is what they use their wishes for. To get an A on a geography test, to get an internship, <laughs> and I wish to, to become a corporate slave. And she, 
don't Byron donates money towards Yasmin's pet shelter. Like, why specifically do you wish for him to donate money? Why don't you just wish for all the money you could ever want? Like, <laughs> maybe they're trying to imply that wishing for money is wrong, but wishing people to give money is good because it encourages humbleness and generosity. And I don't fucking know. This is so bad. Sasha doesn't wish to be a professional DJ. She just wishes to get to get into an internship. It's so also <laughs> your little stutter earlier. Um, like for some reason, it just ha kept hammering home that th these are banal. This is not <laughs> imagination worthy. This hurts. I. I, I kind of find the fact that they have a genie movie kind of a little bit out there. I, I don't think it's quite so banal. Uh, I mean, I, I probably don't want to watch it, but I, I love reading about it. Sure. Um, what's more interesting than wishing for money and power? Huh? I wish that I could have to get up at seven o'clock in the morning and get the coffee and donuts for everybody and not get paid because I'm getting paid an experience. Yes, this is an absolutely worthwhile genie movie. <laughs> you get one wish in your entire life until you turn 21. I don't know what happens after that. Well, but if I have one, one wish, wish, then I wish for girls who wear Abercrombie and Fitch. Uh, of course. <laughs> um, <laughs> somebody will we... get that joke. <laughs> I'm sure somebody will. Uh, so before we move on to breath, I do want to mention that uh, in August 2007, uh, oh, and just FYI, there are four Bratz movies released in 2007. But, uh, uh, all right. But, so when I said there was one like every year or year and a half, uh, they for a few years, they have a release schedule that is st like kind of stuttery. You know, skip a year, skip three years, have four spill out on the same year. Right. I guess I guess it counts as cross promotion. I don't I don't know. Um but yeah, multiple came out in 2006, multiple came out in 2008. So they had, they had, must have had multiple studios working on this. Um uh, but in August 3, 2007, they they made Bratz the movie and you might have noticed they've released already almost 10 movies by this point. So why is this one called Bratz the Movie? Because it's live action. Oh. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm scared to see if you're going to link that poster. Bratz the Movie, the poster doesn't look anything like Bratz in general. <laughs> it looks like a... It looks like the Asylum's production of Clueless. <laughs> 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 I kind of see the brats a little bit, like um, like I see I see them like a little bit, get, but I see nothing else. Like remove the uh, exaggerated proportions and have like actual human beings playing them, and that's kind of what I imagine the brats looking like. Just really awful cel shaded photography. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, I. I'm going to kind of skip over this a little bit. I'm not going to spend too much time on it, but I do want to quickly mention um, you you must have heard of a famous series called Debbie Does Dallas. Oh, yeah, yeah. Every, 
For FNF, we have a uh, a movie night at least once a month. Our patrons get to, you know, help us vote and figure out which one. And all of the hosts, we have five hosts, we each get to suggest a film. Without fail, Sean always suggests Debbie Does Dallas. <laughs> so, um, it's one of those names that you hear a lot in pop culture, but I didn't actually know it was porn until I looked into it. Oh, um, you are, poor, poor soul. There are 20 Debbie Does Dallas movies. Um, That's less now, than I would have expected. Now, I, I guess like porn studios churn out things over and over and over again. I don't even I don't even know. Um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like I and yeah. I'm somebody who goes to Not- porn sites very often. <laughs> No, 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 I'm, I, and I'm being serious. Like, I look at some of the adult DVD sites just for funsies, and there are <laughs> series out there that are up to, like, the 70s. And yeah. they've only but been the, going the, since 2008. <laughs> I, I don't know as much about this industry as you do, but I imagine that's most fine, of them are Dallas, just, like... That's, yeah, well, I, I, I imagine most of them are just concepts that they keep recycling, like big booty. Yeah, like art school art, sluts. Know? But for this one yeah. specifically, Debbie Does Dallas is like, it, 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 it has, has production. Yeah. It's, yeah. Um, so and there are 20 of these. Um, I, I do want to just quickly mention some of the titles because this kind of cracked me up. Number sure. 12. Number 12, they just called it Dallas Does Debbie. Uh, the whole 13- city. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, the whole, the, the first one is called Oh, oh I get Dallas. it. I get it. It's a kaiju movie. And she gets, like, really big. And the entirety so, of Texas ends up bagging her. So, so the, that's number 12. Dallas does Debbie. Number 13 is called Debbie does Dallas again. Uh, and again. <laughs> and again 13, and again and again and again. They made 13 movies and only uh, number 13 do they call it Debbie does Dallas again. They were just completely out of ideas by this point. Uh, number 14 <laughs> Debbie Does Dallas The Next Generation and 18 is called Debbie Does Dallas The Revenge. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I would be uh, interested in seeing the video game adaptation of that one. I did not look any further into this than those titles. I just uh, appreciated those names. Um. <sighs> I will so, have to do some digging on my own time. <laughs> okay, so before we uh, move on to, uh, we've got a few more series that I, I want to talk about. But before we move on to those, I just want to do like a quick sort of point form about some of the series and how many there are. Uh, just just for like a little bit of trivia appreciation. Um, sure. Tarzan movies, there are 29 does that date uh, all the way back to the the black and whites? I believe so. Um, okay. Godzilla movies, and this is specifically Godzilla, not including all the Mothra and Rodan and all the other crossover movies, but specifically Godzilla. There are 32. Uh, there are 36 Perry Mason movies. I, that doesn't surprise me. My dad was a fan of Perry Mason, and I have a like when he passed away, I got his movie collection. So there's a lot oh. of Perry Mason in my closet. <laughs> it's not surprising um, at all. I, I actually thought it was like just a TV series or something. Um, no, there's a lot. Yeah. Um, Scooby Doo movies. There are 47. Ooh, that's something I would want to spend more time looking into. <laughs> So I, I know yeah. that they've got good ones, and then they've got stuff like Scooby-Doo meets Batman. 
<laughs> I've, I've seen parts of scooby Dooby's batman actually it's not um, good it's not no there's there's this one part like when they introduce them the scooby gang is just walking in the house and then batman's just there and and they're just like look it's batman and robin it's like it's not even surprising to them um so there are 63 super sentai movies uh, that's something I didn't know had film adaptations. I know Super Sentai has been going on since like since America was discovered four centuries ago, but mm-hmm. uh, I didn't know they made movies. Yep, sixty three of them, and they're wow. actually um, and even more than that, there are seventy six common writer movies. Well, that uh, I would say that also that tracks anything Tokusatsu. It's gonna be. Um, I I always thought of Common Rider as like sort of a sort of like a Super Sentai spinoff sort of thing. I felt like I I didn't think it was as popular as Super Sentai. Oh, it's I, I knew very it was popular, but um, yeah, it's extremely popular. Yeah. So I yeah, th- this was kind of mind blowing to me. So um. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the next series I want to talk about is, and I'm going to mispronounce this every time because this is a word that my brain cannot process. Uh, it's a series called The Three Mesquiteers. Um, I it's it's a pun on mesquite because they're cowboys. Uh, uh. So, so yeah, the, I can say mesquite. And I can say musketeers, but when I try to put them together, I can't say musketeers. It it just doesn't sound right. No matter you can't how say musketeers. It. it it doesn't work. My my brain tries to force the syllables out of my tongue, and out comes <laughs> weird vowels. Uh, so so yeah, the the first of these movies came out in nineteen thirty six. And they made 51 of these. I'm looking at the article right now. Uh, September 22nd, 1936 to May 21st, 1943. So, so is- they made... Oh, there are some where they made almost t- 10 movies in a year? They made 51 of these. So um it, so it's, is it 19, 1936 there's 3 1937 there's 7 1938 there's 8 1939 there's 6 1940 there's 8 1941 there's 7 1942 there's 6 and 1943 there are 4 wow yeah there's a lot um could really uh, make films fast when you didn't have any safety crew or needed to pay livable <laughs> wages. So, um, yeah, so the, the Wikipedia article here says the name was a play on words re- referring to Mesquite and the characters of the Three Musketeers. Each film th- featured a trio of stars with the composition of the trio varying according to the in- individual movie. Uh, the series blended the traditional Western period with more modern elements. Toward the end of the series, during World War II, the trio of cowboys were opposing Nazis. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't really think of the cowboy era as being um, the same era as World War II, so that's very strange to me. 
Um, yeah. Some of, some of the titles include uh, Roaring Lead, uh, Come On Cowboys, The Purple Vigilantes, uh, Pals of the Saddle. <laughs> I forgot how silly that title was until I said it again out loud. Pals <laughs> of the Saddle. <laughs> Howls as in like H-O-W-L-S. P-A-L. Pals. Oh, pals. I thought saddle. you said Howls of the Saddle. Like it's no, a friggin' werewolf movie. The, they're, they're saddle buddies. They're Pals of the Saddle. <laughs> oh, so they're gay. Uh, I, I mean, that is one implication you can take did you from see, it. But... Did you see Greg? Yeah, is he a pal of the saddle? <laughs> anyway, um, there's three Texas Steers, the Kansas Terrors. The 26th movie is just called Cowboys from Texas. Like, <laughs> I uh-huh. love how generic a lot of movies sounded back then. As opposed just... to Cowboys from Branson, Missouri. Oh, um. It, so, <laughs> Cowboys yeah, the, from Nunavut. So yeah, I mentioned number seventeen was Pals of the Saddle, but number mm-hmm. thirty-seven is Saddlemates. <laughs> These are just—they're all just euphemisms for homosexuality. <laughs> How is this not a porn series akin to Debbie Does Dallas? <laughs> <laughs> They, they all just so many of them just sound so uh, generic like the trailblazers and no all right, uh, all right. so it, clo- close your eyes close your okay. eyes for a second okay. forget forget the name like the overarching umbrella term if i tell you things like prairie pioneers saddle mates pals of the saddle you're going to tell me these sound like either westerns or pornographies yeah, I mean, I would say the Westward Ho is a layup. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is one of them. It's one of them is called Westward Ho. Yes, it is. I'm, so, I'm looking at the article. That's what I'm doing. So, <laughs> Valley of Hunted Men. This is this is too easy. I I feel like it's. Like, I don't get, like, a uh, a gay vibe from it. I get more of a, we don't even understand that gay is a thing vibe. From oh, no, this. I like, know that. I know that that's the thing. I'm taking this like, off in a creatively funny narrative. But well, I for think real funny to me that, like, uh, they they say things that sound like extremely homoerotic because the idea of homoeroticism is just so foreign to them that uh, oh like, yeah, look they're, here they're here come bill cell. luke and joe the trigger trio you guys doing a shoot today <laughs> okay, so, <laughs> let me let me describe a couple of the movies in this series uh so okay this, this one is Sorry. the purple vigilante <laughs> what what, what? <laughs> No, I'm I'm sorry that I constantly am laughing about this because I keep looking at the names and my brain won't stop. All right, purple vigilantes, not a euphemism for something you should see your doctor about. Uh, the film is about a rancher who organizes other ranchers to form a vigilante group in order to rid their town of outlaws. After the outlaws are defeated, some of the men posing as the vigilante group go on a crime spree. 
Uh, <laughs> now, <laughs> here's here's uh, some interesting trivia that says right in the Wikipedia article, John Denver, in his book Legal Realism, Movies as Legal Texts, compared the hooded and robed vigilantes in the, the film to the Ku Klux Klan. He cited oh, the purple oh. <laughs> vigilantes as being the series Western most clearly inspired by the Klan, noting that the film was treating its hooded terrorist organization as originally serving a legitimate purpose, but corrupted over time. Oh, so poor John Denver could never spell his name right. <laughs> it's spelled D-N-V-I-R. Just yes. Denver. So you said it right, John but I had Denver. to go look. Yeah, John Denver, not Denver. So, it, so yeah, they got a movie about uh, about a vigilante group that all wear purple robes. Uh, that's modeled after the Ku Klux Klan, and then whoops, they go on a crime spree. Ah, <laughs> uh, could never have seen that happening. The twenty second movie in the series is called uh, the Three Texas Steers. Uh, there's no Wikipedia page for it, but I have the IMDb link right here. Oh, I mean, well, there's a Wikipedia page, but there's no description for it. Yes, that's correct. Um. According to IMDb, uh, the description here, uh, it is 1937, but the life out west has not changed much. The boys are working at the Wyoming ranch of Captain Marvin herding horses, which he sells to Kurt Redman. Marvin will not sell any horses to any army, but the boys found out that Redman is a German agent shipping the horses directly to the Third Reich. Oh, no. With those horses, Germany will be unstoppable. <laughs> okay, I'm I'm sorry. I read the wrong description. That was the description for the Phantom Planes. <laughs> um, okay, the three Texas. See, they all all the titles are so similar to each other. I couldn't even tell I was reading the wrong synopsis. Okay, so three Texas steers. Nancy Evans, local lovely circus owner, has a ranch that she's never visited, but for sentimental reasons won't sell to Mike Abbott. Her partners, secretly in league with Abbott, sabotage the circus to force Nancy to sell a ranch. Instead, she goes there to live. Will her neighbors, the three mesquiteers, be a match for the secret swindlers? And what's so valuable about that rundown ranch anyway? What is? Are you going to tell me, or...? Um, that's all it says. That's oh, all I have to go uh, So you weren't at, you weren't asking a question. It was part of the description. It was part of the description. Oh my goodness. This is, no. All right. You, this one you lost me on. I, yeah. I, I stuck with you through Bratz and Barbie and this one's this. I'd rather go back to thinking it's just porn. For, for <laughs> sentimental reasons, she won't sell a ranch that she's never visited. Why? That, I, I don't know. That doesn't make any sense. No, that, there's no um, sentimental reasons. Oh, there's a place in the world I've never been, but I own it. I can't sell it. That doesn't. <laughs> her partner sabotaged the circus to force her to sell it, but instead she goes to live there. Um, so she she went to live at the circus so that she wouldn't have to sell it. I I I don't know. <laughs> sell the damn ranch lady movie over uh so yeah the the nazi one is the phantom plainsman that's where they find out that uh someone is selling horses to the third reich um they're going all the way to american to import horses i guess yeah um, it makes a lot of sense and you know they they all 
With the heavy artillery, horses are renowned for their ability to stand up to panzer fire. So, <laughs> <laughs> smart investment integral. on behalf of the German military. I, horses were integral to um, uh, World War II, at least. No, I know, but I'm just saying, like, to to go to the extent of getting them from America is yeah. what I'm pointing out the absurdity of in terms of criticality. I, I don't know. It was made in 37. They probably have it. Wait. Was it? No. It takes place in 37. That's before the war, though. Uh-huh. I mean, um... The, the the Nazis existed in 37, but, uh, okay. So this actually makes less sense to me now because, like, <laughs> I could I could kind of imagine that in World War II, the, like, the Germans are spending all of their, like, re, like, resources on the war. Like, all of Europe is, like, tapped out because, like, all, all the metal and whatnot is, is being used for shells and whatnot, and so they need to trade with the states and whatnot. This is 37 <laughs> before the war, so why in 37 do German need horses that desperately? To support their military testing out if you could transform a horse into a gun. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't know what that movie is about. <laughs> Break my rule and, and see this movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's got a very the cell vibe to it once that horse arrives in Nazi Germany. <laughs> the horrors. The horrors. Oh. <laughs> All right. What's the next? What's the next film in the series or the next film series? Okay, well, uh, the, the next film in the series is The Shadows of the Sage and Valley of Hunted Men. There's just a few more and uh, closing out with Riders of the Rio Grande at 51. The next series that I want to talk about is the uh, El Santo series. Are you familiar oh, with Oh, yes, yes. Uh, anybody who's watched MST3K on random has inevitably gone and watched, like, the... Um, the Hercules or El Santo films, incidentally. So, okay, so, uh, El Santo, very famous Mexican wrestler. Now, the most uh, famous. I, I, I find this absolutely fascinating. Like this whole, um, this whole concept. So, um, he, yeah, he was a wrestler who transitioned from wrestling to a movie career. Um, mm. But see, he he wore the mask. He like he was really really dedicated to kayfabe. Like he. Um, he was never seen in public without his mask. Uh, he he kept his identity a closely guarded secret until after he retired. Then he like showed his face once on like a talk show and they, they didn't have it on camera. He just showed it to the the uh, the audience. Um, he, <laughs> the he audience stayed... could be heard gasping in horror and two people fainted. <laughs> so <laughs> throughout his his very very long spanning career he stayed in character and with the mask on as el santo so when he transitioned to a movie career um he's like the closest analog i would say in our culture is the rock except that he exclusively played his wrestling persona and wore the mask in every single one of the movies so it's like imagine the rock but every single movie that he's in he plays the rock 
So imagine if the wrestler Sting, uh, not blonde-haired version, uh, kiss makeup version, ended yeah. up transitioning from wrestling to make 52 movies of uh, The Crow. That would be a, an analogy. Yeah. So, and, and yes, there are 52 of these movies. Um, Wait, I got that to, right? Yes. I thought you were I thought you were looking at the Wikipedia article. No. No, I just said <laughs> there, 52. There are exactly 52. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so, um and these I was titles, trying to think of a absurd number. <laughs> well, I thought there were like 20. On. There are 52 El Santo movies and they oh. have fantastic titles. Listen to some of these. Santo versus the Evil Brain. Santo versus the zombies, Santo in the Hotel of Death, Santo versus the vampire women, uh, Santo versus the strangler, and followed up by Santo versus the ghost of the strangler. <laughs> Good. All right. The person they hired for continuity is doing an adequate job. <laughs> uh, Santo versus the Martian invasion, uh, Santo and Dracula's uh, treasure, also known as the vampire and sex. Uh, uh, the vampire and sex yes that's the that's the alternate title of the movie um santo versus frankenstein's daughter uh santo versus oh, the all she wants to do is change her name and move on with her life <laughs> santo versus the killers from other worlds uh santo versus the she-wolves santo in anonymous death threat <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that one's my favorite because after so many interesting and bizarre directions, it's just someone sends an anonymous death threat and this is what the entire movie You're is You're a big stinky poopy face and I hope you croak. <laughs> Santo, you must <laughs> investigate. I'm on it. <laughs> <laughs> this was written by Jimmy in Mrs. Melvin's third grade class. <laughs> Uh, is to keep <laughs> keep going. There's uh, Santo and the Revenge of the Crying Woman, uh, Santo versus the TV Killer, and Santo in Fury of the Karate Experts. <laughs> the karate, oh. the karate experts. Yes, Santo I, in Fury of the Karate Experts. I want to see if this his... is a. Ri I want to see if this is where El Santo beats the crap out of the kids from Three Ninjas. <laughs> <laughs> that was the last movie he ever made in 1982. Aww. Uh, oh, by How the way, old was he when he... Okay, so he wasn't that young, but he also wasn't that old. Right. Like, like, I mean, six... wrestler careers tend to end before um, yeah. most other careers because you can't take that much punishment that long. Nope. Um, a, a couple of notes that I want to say about this series. Uh, Santo versus the Zombies came out in 1961. It predates Night of the Living Dead. So this was a a zombie movie before zombies were a big thing. Well, I mean, they, I think in the 50s and 60s, there was uh, like zombies were used, but they were not widespread. They kind of like they faded away for a while. Yeah, they, they were there. There are a few like obscure movies here and there. Uh, like I think White Zombie is the most famous one. Um, right, and that's still it, obscure. It was, before, it was before Night of the Living Dead kind of defined the modern zombie. It was like uh, these were 
these were like the the old school concept of a zombie, which was like a, a voodoo. Um, yeah, somebody uh, who's still alive, but, but completely manipulated. No, I mean, like, I think the idea was that, uh, like, someone would use voodoo magic to bring someone back to life and that uh, corpse would become their ah, servant. Ah, OK. So. All right. Um, all right. So the. It would just be like a mindless corpse that does someone else's bidding as opposed to something that attacks everyone it sees and tries to eat them and turns them into more zombies. Now is the time to bring El Santo back. El Santo versus crypto and NFTs. I want to see him wrestle down some badly drawn NFT art. Oh, um, oh yeah. And uh, I mentioned Santo versus Frankenstein's daughter. Uh, yeah, he fights Frankenstein's daughter, but then actually fights Dr. Frankenstein himself two years later in a different movie. <laughs> I beat the shit out of your kid, and now I'm going to beat the shit out of you. <laughs> oh, um, and this, I found this a little remark here uh, fantastic. Many of the later films depicted Santo in simulated sex scenes during which he continued to wear the mask. <laughs> I hope that he was wearing a codpiece, tasteful codpiece with just the description, <laughs> like an image of him on it so that his penis also was wearing a mask. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. So Desecra Desecrating the memory of one of Mexico's Folk heroes. <laughs> are you are you just saying that, or are you reading that off something? It kind of sounds like no. Were... That's what I'm doing by suggesting <laughs> that he wears a codpiece of himself. <laughs> so, um, without having seen a single Santo movie, I love this series with all my heart. <laughs> okay, so um, there's one last series that I'm going to talk about, and I I think this is the this is the longest running series that I could find. It's um, Chinese. I think it's specifically Hong Kong. It might just be a, a collection of different ones because it's it centers around uh, Wang Feihong, who is a Chinese folk hero. Um, there are 80 movies about this character. Um, 80. Wait. Well, actually, okay. okay, but it's 80 over no, no, no. a range of. Uh, Wikipedia's list of feature film series lists this as having 80 films, but um, Wikipedia's Wong Fei page describes the series as films featuring the Chinese martial arts master and folk hero of Cantonese ethnicity, Wang Fei Hung. There are 123 in total. So I think one of them, I think the uh, um, list of feature film series is out of date by <laughs> like 40. <laughs> So right now, in terms of sheer density, it's the three Misketeers is like because it's it's in a span of less than ten years. They have like what fifty three movies, like a lot of movies, forty yeah, something. But uh, uh, but in terms of overall sheer amount, and also it looks like it looks like the timeline is very similar to the length. Of span for Tarzan movies, yeah. it's almost a now, it's almost a century. Some of the movies in this series, uh, I can almost guarantee you have seen because uh, th this is such a prolific character and has been portrayed by so many people, including Jackie Chan, and Chet Li. Um, so uh, let me let me just quickly touch on a few of these. Uh, most of these movies have no description anywhere on on Wikipedia or anywhere Are any English language. Um, fan Before you mention even find. one of them, 
I'm pointing out, I, I hope you talk about it, the Huang Fei Hong goes to a birthday party at Guanshan. Yes. Okay, well, thank you for, <laughs> for destroying that punchline. <laughs> you sent me the links. I'm looking, so... You, you said you wanted to be surprised, and... <laughs> I am okay. surprised! I'm surprised okay, so, this exists. So, okay, so most of these have no descriptions and just titles. Some of these sound like a modest tale of a folk hero, like, uh... Uh, Huang Fei Hung's battle with the bullies in the boxing ring. Uh, Huang Fei Hung rescues the fishmonger. How Huang <laughs> Fei Hung vanquished the ferocious dog in Shamian. Um, how Huang Fei Hung thrice tricked the girl bodyguard. Uh, alternate oh. <laughs> title. How Huang Fei Hung thrice tricked the lady security escort. <laughs> <laughs> I'm noticing a pattern. Huang Fei Hung's seven battles with the fiery unicorn. So yeah, these, <laughs> the, the most of them sound like kind of modest, and then they start to get a little bit out there, and then they get weirdly mundane, like Huang Fei Hung at a boxing match. How Huang Fei Hung saved the lovelorn monk from the ancient monastery. Uh, Huang <laughs> Fei Hung goes to a birthday party in Guanshan. Um, <laughs> then the same year. How Huang Fei Hung fought five dragons single-handed. <laughs> that is the title of the movie. <laughs> uh, I'm looking at these titles, and it looks like somebody's making a whole bunch of, like, AIM status updates, but is speaking in third person. <laughs> AFK Huang Fei Hung victory at Ma Village. <laughs> I, I love how it, it like it starts to settle down into like incredibly mundane. Like he goes to a birthday party and then immediately jumps into how Huang Fei Hung fought five dragons single handed. <laughs> oh um, man, I can't imagine the taut intrigue and intense fighting in Huang Fei Hung and the courtesan's boat argument. <laughs> that is the most lame, ineffectual, unenthusiastic title for anything involving a martial artist. I, I am not making fun of Chinese culture. I know some of this is is purely just lost in translation, and that's where all the humor comes from. But this is so funny to me. Huang um, Fei Hung, the incredible success in Canton. Uh, we finally opened that slot car arcade. Uh, so 1960, there's Wang Fei Hung's battle with the gorilla. How uh, Wang Fei Hung conquered IBS. <laughs> Wait, what? That, that's no, not that's a not a real one. It's okay, not okay. okay. Because <laughs> after after boat argument, I'll believe almost anything. <laughs> Courtesan's <laughs> boat argument. You can't remember how important it is. Um, but yeah, uh, some very, very popular movies were actually based on um, Wong Fei Hung, including Drunken Master, starring Jackie Chan, uh, also Snake in the Eagle's Shadow, also played by Jackie Chan, and Once Upon a Time in China, played by Jet Li. Oh, I've and, seen Snake in the Eagle's Shadow. Yeah, and Iron Monkey. So you can see how influential this character was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I, I want to talk a little bit, though, about... The actor, Quan Ta King, uh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm probably pronouncing this horribly wrong. Uh, Quan Ta King um, 
was a Hong Kong actor best known for his portrayal of martial arts folk hero Wan Fei Hung in at least 77 films. Oh, wow. Between the 1940s and the 1980s. So Jackie Chan and Jet Li played this character, but uh, Kwon Ta King played him 77 times. Huang Fei Hung gets stuck on the Canadian highway. <laughs> <laughs> There's construction on the Formula One again. <laughs> All right, Juan, time to beat the crap out of that crane loader. Huang <laughs> Fei asks to see the manager. That's <laughs> <laughs> <As> Applebee's. <laughs> This is a good bit. This is this was a good find. Wong this Fei Fung is not satisfied with the level of spiciness of this chicken wings. Huang <laughs> <laughs> Fei Hung unsubscribes from this podcast. <laughs> I, I, I don't know why, oh, I'm but I'm, I'm imagining these turning into like a Bollywood dance number. <laughs> like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I can I can definitely see that. <laughs> Wong Fei Hung accidentally gets somebody else's mail. <laughs> that, that was the follow-up to the boat argument. <laughs> what could be more intense than disagreeing about a boat? <laughs> Incorrect mail delivery. <laughs> Well, uh, so that's it for today. Uh, thank you to everyone for listening. Uh, please review us on whatever you're listening to us on. It doesn't have to be a good review. Any review is fine. If you're not sure what to say, just say these people are a bunch of sad loser nerd monkeys. Uh, until next <laughs> Huang time. Huang Feihung versus the sad loser nerd monkeys. <laughs> oh, sorry. Not versus. Conquers the sad... <laughs> yes. One Fei Hung conquers the sad loser nerd monkeys. <laughs> In Shenzhen. In Shenzhen! <laughs> <laughs>